When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and I have the honor to host this show and every week talk to some of the most amazing people about how they succeed as a professional speaker. And today I am joined by Mimi Brown. Hey, Mimi, welcome to Speakernomics. Hey, Tom. Happy to be here. So today we are going to talk about how to amp up your revenue. And I'll tell you what, I think all of us in the speaking business, we're looking to raise that revenue. The time is now to get out there and sell, sell, sell. However, guess what? Mimi's going to be one of the speakers at Influence 2022 in Nashville this coming July. And so we're going to get just a little taste. She's not going to give away the whole keynote. We're going to get a little bit of taste of her brilliance on how to amp up your revenue. So Mimi, what are two tips for speakers to amp up their revenue? Tip number one, Tom, is if you're in speaking, you're in sales. Tip number two is treat sales like a process. Ooh, this is going to be fun. I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. I need to amp up my sales. For those of you who don't know Mimi Brown, she brings energy to the stage. She has an amazing magnetism. And when you listen to her speak, she's like that old friend who you just couldn't wait to see again. She makes people feel real comfortable. She meets them where they are and she takes them on a journey every time she takes the stage. She often speaks about leadership presence for women, but today we're just going to talk revenue. So Mimi, let's go to tip number one. Let's dive right in. Go ahead. Tell me if you're in sales. I mean, if you're in speaking, you're in sales. What do you mean by that? You're in speaking, you're in sales because so often you have speakers, especially when you're first getting started in the business. I'm so excited about, uh, I'm so passionate about speaking and they forget that it's a business. And that you really have two jobs. You have the job of giving the keynote. And I I know you've heard this before, Tom, but really the job is to get the keynote. And so if you need to learn how to sell you, because that's what people, that's what they're buying. And I think it really starts with your mindset is, is, do you walk into the situation a knowing that people are buying you? How do you convey your confidence, your expertise and your enthusiasm And are you prepared for their interaction? But most importantly, are you serving them or are you trying to sell to them? And I'm always going to encourage you to serve people. 
So my background was sales long before ever I ever became a speaker. So I always have looked at it that you're in sales first because if you don't sell it, you don't get on stage. But a lot of people come into this business from a totally different path. They never once had to sell people. Some of them never even really spoke to clients before. So if you come from that type of a background, how do you get to this mindset of sales? Well, I think part of it is like any other skill set, just like many of us started at Toastmasters or maybe we were a speech class and we built our, our time on the platform getting better. You need to do the same thing with flexing that sales muscle. Go, go get some sales training. Go read one of my favorite books is how to uh, master the art of selling by Tom Hopkins. It's one of the classics. And he really walks you through the sales process. And the very first thing he starts with is your mindset, because the first sale is really to yourself. And I can tell you from, I've been in this business, I think going on 12 years now and I, 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 I'll never forget this. It was a lady who was on the phone and I was making an offer to her and she said, yes. And I said, excuse me, I was so, I was not ready for that part, but I hadn't really sold me. I was like, did she, she said, yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Cause back in uh, previous to being a speaker, I used to sell advertising when I was a very young man, I was probably like 23 or 24 years old. And I was talking to the CEO of a company and, and my company had these little folders with little one sheets in them that you'd give with every feature and every benefit. And at one point we were about halfway through my pitch he said yes, and I pulled out the next page, and he stopped me. This was a guy who was probably 60 years old, and he said, okay, you're a nice young guy. Here's a tip for you. When the customer says yes, stop talking and pull the contract out. And I had to learn that lesson because I didn't have that sales muscle, as you called it. And since that time, I have never missed a buying signal, I don't think. Yeah. And that's another thing, Tom, like buy-in signals are huge. If you're not accustomed to what that sounds like, you'll totally miss it, especially if you're in selling mode versus serving mode. Because really when you're in that serving mode for folks, you're asking questions, you're digging, you're making sure that you're the right fit for them. And I have turned away business before because I wasn't what they were looking for. They didn't need a sassy black lady, but no, they needed some, they needed someone else on a different topic. And then that's the great part about NSA is because then you can refer business to your friends and give, really serve that person and give them the right fit. So what about the people? And there's many of our peers who are this way, who are kind of scared of sales. So they think, oh, I, I can't do that. I'll just, I'll just get discovered by a bureau or I'll hire someone to do my, my sales. What about, what do you say to those people who like sales to them is a four letter word? You have to learn. Like to me, if you're going to be successful in this business and the people who, who have longevity, they have learned to adapt. And it's like anything else. The more you do it the right way, I would say, the better you get at it. And it comes through practice. And I encourage people because I've done this in, in uh, helping people with sales role play. Get on the phone with someone who you trust walk them. That's why number two is walk people through the sales process, but have that conversation with someone, Jump, grab a, a Tom singer, say, Tom, you got 15 minutes. I want to role play. Like you're really a client. And that to me is going to be the best experience you can get. Cause if you think about it, most of us practice with our clients, which is not the place you want to practice. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good transition to the second tip, right? So the second tip is treat sales like a process. What do you mean by a sales pro? What is the sales process? What is your sales process? There's actually research that I think it's something like 18% 
of uh, companies with a formal sales process saw 18% more revenue growth because they actually knew the pathway to tell people to go. I was, I remember, I'll never forget this. I was, um, I used to be a sales coach for, in a call center and that's where I really learned my sales chops. And this gal was selling uh, um, insurance for your appliances. And so she was walking everyone through the call guide, which we'll talk about like the process. And she got to the very end and I was just kind of looking at her like, are you going to ask them to buy? And so I wrote on a piece of paper really quick. Would you like to place this on a debit or credit card? And I'm like, read it. And she realized then when then she, she read it. And then the customer said, I've been, I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> it, was, it was like the CEO who told me, come on guy, give me the contract. Oh, walked you through. And then I just passed. I was like, okay, my, you know, my job is over, but you know, my, my, my work is over. But what I found is, a process gives you the next steps to build upon. And one of the things that I encourage speakers, the way to view themselves is you're the expert. And so as the expert, the client is looking for you to guide them through the discussion. And so if you have a process, you should always know what your next step will be. And typically you don't land a gig or you don't land a speaking engagement from one instance, typically. Oftentimes it's, it's a process. They might have to go to a committee. You might have to send a proposal. So you're always thinking of what's that next step. And I always like to think of it before I get them off that call or before, um, you know, I send that email, what, where am I guiding them in the discussion and the process? And one of my favorite ways to start this is here's how I work. And it lets them know that you have a process and that you're going to guide them through. I like that, but I think a lot of people might be nervous to sort of start by telling, you know, this prospect, here's the way I work. I mean, a lot of people would say, well, wait a minute, I don't have the right to tell them that, but I I agree with you. I think it gives you credibility. So how does somebody even discover the own way of here's how I work? I bet you if we lined up 10 speakers, eight of them aren't even sure how to work with them. They haven't clarified it yet. Absolutely. So you got to write it down first and foremost, so that you're clear on what your process looks like. And you were asking me earlier, Tom, kind of mine, but I am all about, I've developed like a little mini script. So I know what my intro is. I know how to build rapport. If I happen to get a client ahead of time, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm looking them up to find out how I can make a connection with them. Who do we know that, you know, who do we have in common that we know? I've also used uh, Sam Richter's like sales engine, sales Intel engine to do that work ahead of time to properly also not only to get to know them, but to also think, can I qualify them and then really do the needs analysis. So, you know, what is it they need? Am I a fit for it? Making sure that I'm actually asking for the sale. How do I handle an objection? Do I know what those objections may be at first? Is it price? Is it time? Is it, am I talking to the right person who can make the decision? And then am I providing them with the next steps? And so in my mind, if I'm clear on what those steps are, um, when I'm opening up that conversation with them, I don't have to say it like, yes, I'm trying to sell you something, but you do it really lightly. Like, oh, I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, you know, I've I, I, I really enjoyed this experience. Let me, let's share how we can work together next. Or here's what I see as next steps. Do you agree with that? Boy, there's so many questions that I have for you. I want to go back to the thing you were talking about using LinkedIn. So before you have a call with a prospect, Are you suggesting that everybody goes to LinkedIn and looks up that prospect and looks at where they used to work, who you know in common, what groups they belong to, where they went to college? Is is that a piece of advice that you think everyone should do every single time? 100 percent. 
And I will tell you, I just actually had a client and we, I think we spent, I jumped on LinkedIn, looked up her profile. We know 10 of the same people. And I just casually mentioned, how do you know so-and-so? And we got into a conversation and with, we didn't even get to business till about 20 minutes into the conversation, but I had already won her over. Um, I'm going to have a fangirl moment really quick. So a couple of years ago, Dr. Robert Cialdini was one of our keynote speakers at Influence. I remember that. He was he was fantastic. Yes, he was. And I saw him in the hallway time and had a total fangirl moment. He probably thought I was a weirdo. I was like, oh, my God, that's Cialdini. But his research is so, so key, especially in the sales arena. But one of the things he talks about is a principle of influence to get people to say yes or in, in a compliance related field like we're in, which is sales. People have to like you. And one of the ways that you get people to like you is similarity. Who do you have in common? Who do you like? Or who, who, who do you know? And find that commonality, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a little bit easier to navigate. Find something that you can connect with that person on. And then it builds instant rapport with them. And it doesn't take long. And it's got to be genuine. Like you can't, if you're into soccer or if they're into soccer and you've never seen a soccer game, I don't recommend going there, but try to find that. Don't, don't base the commonality on the fact that you watch Ted Lasso if they're really into soccer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although actually most people love Ted Lasso. So maybe that is your commonality. But here's the thing I hear from a lot of people, because I, I agree with you about this idea of, of linking, of looking people up and then letting them know, hey, before this meeting, I looked you up on LinkedIn and I see that, you know, Mimi Brown. How do you know Mimi Brown? But some people give pushback and they go, well, that would be weird if I tell them I looked them up. What's your thought on that? If you sound creepy with like, yes, I was stalking your page and I noticed like that looks weird. But if I mention very casually and excited, like I really love to get to know the people I'm going to connect with. And I often say to my clients, and you can steal this line, I got to like the people I'm going to work with. And I like you. <laughs> like I found that we found a connection point. And I say it in a joking way, but it's all in how you present it. You don't want to start rattling off every fact. I see you went to Michigan State University and you have a degree in communications. Tell me about like that sounds like an interview. It needs to be a dialogue. Dining die means two. So we're going back and forth. It's a conversation. So you talked about, uh, you, you know, I use the example of the CEO. You talked about the lady who didn't go in for the clothes. They missed the buying signal and they never asked the client to buy. I think so often people miss this step either when it's time to close or halfway through the process of actually saying, God, I would like to do business with you. And, and I find as a buyer I want to work with people who want to work with me. So dropping that in along the way, hey, I I would like us to do business. How do you recommend people do that? I think just in the way that you said it, Tom, is be very genuine with folks. Like, I want people to feel my excitement and enthusiasm. So here's the interesting thing. I not only speak, uh, not full-time, but I only speak, I also am a sales training manager. And one of the things recently, I had to hire speakers to uh, kick off my, uh, do my sales kickoff. And one of the key characteristics that I noticed of the individual that we chose, she gave us a piece of what we were going to experience with her. And that's so important in that dialogue and discussions. People need to feel that as a part of their interaction with you. And so um, let them know that you're enthusiastic about working with them. And when she was using language, she said, when we do this or when I keynote for you, and when this happens, and it wasn't in like a very forceful way, but just in a very excited way, let people feel that energy for you and come across very genuinely. All right. So let's move to that part of the process that is known as the close. How do you recommend people do that? 
I always like to um, make sure that I've done a really good job of the needs analysis. I've asked the right questions. I'm listening from for cues for people. That's why I love to do Zoom as well, because I can see the optics, their optic stems, <laughs> so I can make that connection. Um, and then I'll do what we call a preliminary close, which is something like, you know, it sounds like this is a this 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 opportunity seems like a great fit for me. And I look to see if they're going to agree with me. Um, would you, you know, would you like to talk about what next steps would look like? Or here's what I'm thinking. And I leave it open for them. The other thing you can do is, is if they're really excited is do the assumptive close, which is a little bit for um, a bit much for some people, but it may be something like, well, do we have, we go ahead and get the agreement signed or, um, do you need to go ahead and, and do you want me to go ahead and send you the agreement today with the invoice? Or would you prefer for us to wait till next week? I love the um, assumptive close because to me it says you have confidence that you're the right fit for them. You have confidence that the direction has gone, that the conversation has gone in the right direction and that I'm the right person for the position. Awesome. So we've talked about knowing and accepting. In fact, embracing that you're a salesperson first, long before you can ever take a stage. And we've talked about having a process, but you know, we're talking to people about how do you amp up your revenue? So let's go deeper. What else do you have for speakers on how they can make more money? Ooh, here's the other thing I'll say is price yourself right. It's interesting. One of the things, and I know we don't, you know, in, in, in NSA, we don't talk about fee, but I'll, I'll use this as an example. Um, the way that you view yourself, you have to view yourself like a product. And oftentimes I feel like we undercut ourselves and we're often surprised at, oh my God, they, they said yes, or they, or, or, or they said no, like you got to understand what value you bring and being very clear about what that value is. And a lot of times we don't know what our unique selling proposition is. We don't know what makes us stand apart. And if you can't communicate that to someone, how do you really expect them to want to hire you? So I think it's this balance of understanding what makes you you. And that's really what people are selling. And I, I learned that time because I had a I had a client reach out and it just it kind of floored me for a minute because she said, we, we know we want to hire you. I said, well, great. Um, what program? We don't care. We just want you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and but that's what they're buying there. And people will often say, like, the energy that you give or the content that you have listened to the words that your clients are telling you, because that's typically the reason why people are hiring you. And then you just need to be able to convey that out in your marketing. So you bring up two great things in that answer. And I want to touch on both of them. So you talked about knowing your value. And we're going to come back to that one. And you talked about your unique selling proposition. So let's talk about that. Okay. So how does somebody even know what that is? Lots of times people think, oh, it's, I'm a leadership expert. Well, that's not your, you know, we just look around. There's lots of leadership experts. How does a speaker really identify what makes them unique and what makes buyers buy them? How, how do we get to that so that we can just naturally turn it on and get more sales? Ultimately, I think it comes, it's, it's once it's like your sales process. Sometimes people know what off the off jump other times they have to really listen to what their clients are saying and the feedback that they were getting, not only from their audience, but from whoever their economic buyer is, what is setting you apart from folks. And uh, sometimes that's not clear. Like, I feel like you have a, a lot of people who go through this process and think they're going to know off jump. Well, part of it is you got to go out in the marketplace and figure out who's different 
get to see different people and then really put, go all in on what makes you you, what makes you different. Is it the experience you deliver on stage? Is it the customization or the tailoring that you do? Is it, are you easy to work with? Like those are things that can make you, give you that unique selling proposition. So one of the things I learned early on, just a piece of advice, I don't even remember who I picked it up from, was not while you're on the sales call process, not while you're finalizing the contract. But when you do that call that's done a week or two before the event, when you're casually just talking about like, what time do I go on? You're verifying your flight. You're making sure that you you know, know exactly what they want, making sure nothing has changed. Ask them in the most casual way, by the way, why did you pick me? And they will tell you, and then you can make sure you deliver on that. Because so often, if you don't know, and it was something obscure, you might miss that that's what they're expecting. So just ask them when you're in. There's nothing better than that call a week before. Their work is done. Everyone's excited that you're coming. And so it's just at that point, ask, you know, hey, you know, I know you talked to a bunch of people. Why'd you pick me? Uh, The other day, I did it at the dinner the night before. I was speaking for a company. And actually, I didn't ask the question. The CEO asked the meeting planner. Why did we pick him? And it was in a very good way. It wasn't like, why did, why did we pick him? We could, we could have had Mimi Brown. No, but he said, why did we pick him? And she said, I called four speakers and he was the only one who called me back himself. The others sent me a form or had an assistant call back and I just dumped them all because he called me back. And that was just an interesting piece of feedback was she emailed me and I called her and that's why she hired me. And it was like, Ooh, that's, that's really good to know. And that tells you that could be a part of your unique selling proposition. Like you're not going to deal with someone else on my staff. You're going to deal directly with me. I'm having that discussion. And once again, no one can sell you the way that you can sell yourself and nothing against folks who have like sales staff or anything. But I, I just feel like that dialogue that you have, that's what that's that gives you the opportunity to give your client a little piece of what you're going to do. Awesome. And the other piece I wanted to get to was you said, know your value. And I guess we kind of just touched on that the same way, but I really want to get to that part. Why is that so important in what you teach other speakers on, on how to, you know, amp up that revenue? Let's talk about knowing your value. What, what, what do people need to know? Well, so I feel like speaking for a lot of us, because we're the product is so personal and we get, we get caught in our own heads and we have this sense of, am I good enough sometimes? Or we're doing the comparison game for people. You have to know what you bring to the dance. And sometimes you got to have the right folks who remind you of that. I have a fantastic mastermind and Tom, you know, both of them, Kim Becky and Shauna Suko, but they often remind me of what I'm really good at and of my value. Cause I'll have conversations and I go, I think God, I went too low on that or I could, and you, you're better than that. And here's why. Interestingly enough, Kim and I just had this conversation the other day because we've gone up on our fees and I looked to see why. And I had, I put the chops in, I put the time in, I've written books, I've um, invested in my marketing, I've invested in my website, invested in myself. And so those are the values I'm able to articulate. And not to mention that your clients get a different experience with you when you come in from, from a place of, of, of having that expertise and that confidence. I had, I just had a client who, um, I'm keynoting their conference and she goes, you're, 
you're a pro. I said, uh-huh. That's what you're, <laughs> that's part of the fee that you're paying me. Cause I was asking her questions before she even knew what questions to ask. And that's part of me kind of commanding the process or treating it like a process is because I said, Hey, here's our next steps. Here's what I'm going to send you. And she goes, Oh my God, you made my life so much easier. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun to talk to you. And, and I just want to ask you, because I know there's people out there who listen, who always have sort of these questions in their head when they're listening to these interviews. And, and I want to make sure that I get this one out. So let's use me as an example. I'm an experienced speaker. I've been doing this for 13 years. I'm ready to ramp up my revenue. What would you tell me to do? What I tell you to do to, to really to amp up your revenue is to get your mindset right is to be very clear about your unique selling proposition, what you bring. And last but not least is have the confidence to go out and ask for what you want. If you don't ask, you don't get. Awesome. Well, Mimi Brown, this has been so much fun. Why do you think everybody listening, every single person right now who is listening to Speakernomics needs to be in Nashville in July for Influence 2022? There is nothing like influence. I remember my very first influence several years ago. And it was like, someone said to me, welcome home. And if you are just new to speaking or you've been doing this for a while, you need to be around your people to get your your energy, your excitement, and to kind of get your tank filled. And every time I go to influence, it does just that for me. I'm so happy that I did. Well, I agree. I haven't missed one since I joined the National Speakers Association 13 years ago. And I hope everybody who's listening joins Mimi and myself in Nashville for Influence 2022. And when you're there, you're going to get to see Mimi Brown on the main stage. And she is going to bring that energy. You're going to feel that magnetism. And I can tell you, she is like that old friend who you can't wait to see again. So Mimi, I can't wait to see you in Nashville. Thank you, everybody. Please do me a favor. Join us here on Speakernomics every single week where I hope to bring you more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. But I want you to always remember the motto of this podcast. Speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.